Peace to you and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text comes from John 6, verses 1 through 15. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread, that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. And now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Therefore, Jesus, therefore when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. In the name of our Savior Jesus, who valued us so highly that he willingly went to suffer and die so that he might, we might be redeemed by his blood, dear friends in Christ. A story is told of a man who loved old books. He met an acquaintance who had just thrown away a Bible that had been stored in the attic of his ancestral home for generations. I couldn't read it, the Fred explained. Somebody named Guten something had printed it. Not Gutenberg, the book lover exclaimed in horror. The Bible was, that Bible was one of the first books ever printed. Why, a copy of that just sold for over two million dollars. His friend was unimpressed. Mine wouldn't have bought a dollar. Some fellow named Martin Luther had scribbled all over it in German. Now, we don't believe that this story is actually true, or at least we sincerely would hope it's not, but whether this tragic event actually occurred, the point still stands that mankind has a horrible lack of understanding the value of things that they don't understand. At the top of the leaderboards when it comes to being horrendously undervalued stands the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We will see this morning in the account of the feeding of the 5,000 
some of the most common misappraisals that have been committed as people consider Christ. And we will see how, unfortunately, this still takes place today, even in our own lives. So our theme this morning is Jesus is more. First, more than the bread they needed. Second, more than the prophet they expected. And third, more than the king that they wanted. Now, not all the Gospels are written in chronological order, and that sometimes makes it difficult to pinpoint exactly when something is taking place during Jesus' three-year ministry. But we read in verse 4, the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. This places the feeding of the 5,000 at the height of his Galilean ministry. Jesus, by this time, had developed quite the reputation as a healer and an impactful speaker. Most people only cared about the former of those things, though, and as we read in verse 2. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. We read in the parallel accounts of this event in the other three Gospels that Jesus also preached and healed here as well. Now, those other three accounts of Matthew, Mark, and Luke also tell us that after he had healed and preached, it was getting close to evening and therefore dinner time. Reading from verse 5, Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we bribe bread that these may eat? Could you imagine Philip's panic? It's probable that this question had already crossed his mind and in, uh, certain, in certain that he didn't have a solution for it. It's for this really reason that the disciples, we read in the other accounts, told Jesus to send the crowds away. When they would count out the multitude later, they would tally 5,000 men plus women and children. The likely total of the crowd would be estimated between 10 and 15,000 people. A few obstacles for them to overcome. First, this was a de deserted place and there were no towns nearby to buy much bread. Second, even if there had somewhere, been somewhere nearby that sold bread, there was no way that the stores had enough bread for all these people. Third, even if there was a place to buy bread and the vendors had enough of it, Jesus and the disciples didn't have 200 denarii, roughly eight months' salary, lying around. And finally, even if none of these problems existed, the people had traveled a long ways and had no doubt worked up quite an appetite. This plan would have only provided enough bread for everyone to have a tiny scrap of bread. But verse 6 tells us that Jesus said this, quote, to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Even before the disciples had gone into a full-blown meltdown panic mode, Jesus knew exactly how he was going to feed this massive crowd. The disciples found a young boy with five loaves and two fish. 
And reading from verse 11, Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Showing his power as the divine son of God, Jesus miraculously produced more bread than what they needed. There was so much that everyone ate their fill, and there were still 12 baskets left over, one for each of the disciples. Did you ever feel like you don't have enough? Not enough resources, not enough time, not enough faith to do what God wants you to do? The disciples' failure in this account is that they grossly undervalued Jesus and what he can do. And we do the same thing, don't we? There's no space in the budget for an offering this week. There's not enough time in the day for me to spend in the word and in prayer. I don't have enough faith to be the Christian witness that God has called me to be. Why hadn't the disciples learned by now that Jesus is the ultimate provider? And why haven't we? Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God in his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Unfortunately, we still, like the disciples, have ill-concocted plans or even try to send the crowds away, ignoring the problem and passing the buck to someone else to take care of. But when we seek God's kingdom and his righteousness first and foremost, we are led to see his power and trust in it. We learn and believe that Jesus is more, more than the bread that the people needed and more than the things that we need as well. So what is the people's reaction to this incredible miracle? We read in verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, Truly, this is the prophet who has come into the world. The prophet that they're referring to here is the one that was promised through Mo Moses in Deuteronomy 18.15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me out of your midst for your breath, from your brethren. Him you shall hear. It's impossible not to see the similarities between Moses and Jesus here. Moses led the Israelites in the wilderness where Israel was fed in the miraculous manna from heaven as we heard earlier. Jesus here also provides bread for them miraculously. Moses performed many mighty wonders, and so did Jesus. Moses spoke with the authority of God, and so did Jesus. When the people said, this man is the prophet, they weren't looking for a savior from sin. They were hoping for a new Moses. But Jesus is more than a prophet, they, than the prophet they were expecting. They properly expected a prophet from God, 
But they undervalued and misunderstood exactly what, what this new prophet would do. Paul sums up the difference nicely for us between Jesus and Moses in Acts 13. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, Jesus, that is preached to you the forgiveness of sin. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Moses brought the law on the two stone tablets, the Ten Commandments. Upon these two pieces of slate, i.e. the lie the requirements of the old covenant. Be holy as the Lord your God am holy. Moses was the lawgiver, and the law says that you have to be perfect in thought, word, and deed in order to be saved. If the people got a new Moses that they wanted, they would only have gained a second lawgiver, and there would be no salvation. No one can live up to the perfection that God expects in the law. But Jesus is much, much more than a new lawgiver. He is a life giver. Through this man is preached the forgiveness of sins. By keeping God's law and then suffering the consequences, our sins are deserved, consequences our sins deserved on the cross, Jesus has brought about the new covenant. We are justified by, from all things from which we could not be justified by the law of Moses. We are redeemed from sin, death, and the devil because Jesus was much more than the prophet the people expected. He was and is the promise, prophet that was promised, the prophet that we need, the prophet who preached forgiveness and redemption through his blood. And then on top of all this undervaluing of Jesus, we read at the end of our section, therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. The people wanted a king, and a king that could heal physical disability and disease, a king that could produce food at will, all the better. And this is still a problem today. The king that we want Jesus to be is the king who fixes all our problems on command. The king that we want Jesus to be is the one who will allow us to crush all our enemies and live the high life. We want Jesus to be a bread king, one whose entire purpose is to make life easier. Thank God that this is not the King Jesus that we got. The Jesus that we got confessed before Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. That Jesus is more than any king we could have possibly imagined. Our King, Jesus the Messiah, is described in Colossians 1 verse 13, where we read that God, quote, has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. 
Christ does not rule over an earthly kingdom. Rather, he rules in your heart through faith. This rule is one that gives the faint heart strength. It gives the broken heart balm, and it gives the sinful heart righteousness. Our allegiance belongs to this king alone, who became a servant and won for us the salvation so that we might reign with him in eternity. This king, this Jesus, is more than the king that the people wanted. His kingdom will have no end, and we, his subjects by faith, will never perish. It's been said that we know the cost of everything and the value of nothing. The cost of materials that make up old dusty books are worthless. But if those time-worn pages make up a Gutenberg Bible, its value is inestimable. When we try to make Jesus into something that we can appraise the cost of, a bread maker, another prophet, an earthly king, we think we've struck gold. But in fact, we've lost all the true value of the gospel. He came to preach. When we see Jesus for whom he is, the Messiah and our Savior from sin, we see the value of all that he has accomplished for us by giving his life on the cross to make us heirs of salvation. That is when we see the true value of the carpenter's son of Nazareth. That is when we see the truth of the Bible that Jesus is more. He is more than the bread the people needed for their bodies. He is the bread of life, which provides for the soul. He is more than the prophet the people expected. In fact, he came to preach, which provides, he came to preach an entirely different message than the law that Moses brought. He came to preach justification through grace alone. And he is more than the king that the people wanted. He is the king who has brought you a, safe, a safety, peace, and security that no earthly kingdom ever could, because he reigns in your heart through faith. And he will one day return to bring his people at last to the eternal kingdom of heaven, where we will reign with him in endless day. May the Spirit remind us every day through the study of his word that Jesus is more. And may we remember that every time that we sing our heartfelt prayer, on my heart imprint thine image, blessed, King, blessed Jesus, King of grace, that life's riches, cares, and pleasures have no power thee to efface. This the superscription be, Jesus crucified for me, is my life, my hope's foundation, and my glory and salvation. In Jesus' saving name, amen.